Dar, welcome back to the show. And I'm super excited for today's episode because I've gotten into the sense that a lot of real estate agents and brokers in general have wanted to go a certain route when it comes to their real estate career, especially as they extrapolate their careers beyond just real estate sales. And that's they want to get into real estate development and really kind of helping the community that way, right? So even above and beyond just investing, but actual development. So today we are going to be answering that question for a lot of agents and a lot of brokers and basically talking a little bit more about the synergy between kind of being an agent and also being a developer and how that can kind of work together. And our guest today is Jason Hyman, real estate broker and real estate developer and urban planner. So Jason, welcome right. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm glad you put that last part on the urban planner. A lot of people forget or don't even know what that is. So. Right. Yeah. And that's that's actually really, really interesting you brought that up because that's one of the one of the things we definitely I'm interested to talk a little bit about is what it entails to okay. be an urban planner. Because that really okay. stood out to me when I was when I was looking through your your resume and your profile as well. But just before we get into all of that, Jason, man, uh, you're doing a lot in your community uh, here in Houston. But for a lot of people who you know maybe they don't know who you are, they haven't kind of checked out your content online. Would you mind just kind of breaking down like your story of how you got into real estate, kind of what you're doing now, and uh, some of the projects that you know maybe you're you're working on? Sure. So. You know, I won't take too long. I, I, I pretty much I feel like I can sum it up fairly quickly. Um, I got into real estate because I really at the time I'm like, this is a way for me to get Sally Mae and the student loans off my back. And so <laughs> I got my license in college. Um, you know, this was 15 plus years ago and I practiced part time, really focused on paying to put myself through school. And, you know, upon graduating Graduating my bachelor's, I, I end up um, working for the city of Houston, housing and community development department. And I still have my license, uh, but I was kind of practicing real estate in a different way, working for them. We were building, you know, parks, we were building apartments, we were building homes, we were rehabbing homes. And I was at the middle of it being uh, like a financial player, uh, analyst and things like that. But nonetheless, being a part of that made me say, you know, I, I want to. I, this is what I want to do myself, not for the city, not for this is what I want to do for myself. So um, I end up uh, going to school for urban planning and just start really trying to figure out creative ways to use my license other than just a transaction. Or let me say my license, the knowledge I've gained from having the license, you know. And so that brings me here today. Um, I left the city. I went into uh, banking for some time, you know, at a high level, uh, underwriting pretty much, and uh, left banking and started our office. You know, it took a few years, of course, to figure out what the heck I was even doing. <laughs> you know, I had no desire to really be a broker or anything like that at the time. It really came out of necessity. I, I felt like I couldn't find an office that was going to, that I fit. So I like, let me go and create the space. And I'm pretty sure there's others like me. And, you know, fast forward to today, um, here we are. You know, I have about five agents here in the office. We're hoping to get to maybe 10 or 15 by the end of this year. Um, I keep this small, so I'm accessible and, and really support us. And then um, about a year or two ago, we started a nonprofit development company. So I took my urban planning experience, my city experience, my real estate experience, and I gathered some people together and I said, hey, let's. Let's do something apart and aside from what we do day to day. 
um, to put value back into communities because we're by nature we're we're extracting value for people. But how do we put the value back in the community? Um, and I just so happen to live in Third Ward. Um, if folks are familiar with Trey, so to speak, um, it was a place nobody wanted to be in. And then for whatever reason, um, it blew up. Right. It's right next. It's right close to the city. And before you knew it, we saw real estate agents from all over the city. It seems like country showed up in our backyard. And now it's this place that is really, um, you know, gentrifying. It's a good thing, but it's, it's, you know, it's where we are. So. Awesome, man. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of different things in the real estate space and it's really unique. Um, and I really haven't seen too many people um, to do these things, right, with a certain background. I think a lot of a lot of people, when they get into real estate, they might think that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they want to get into maybe urban planning or they want to get into, mm-hmm. you know, development like we were just talking about, but they don't really know kind of what the direction is. So I know if you can maybe touch a little bit on like your urban planning background and kind of what actually entails, you know, that job, right? And what are some of the things that you actually did? And if it's, you know, helpful for, you know, your agent career yeah. or if the other way around, if an agent career can help help that career as well. No, absolutely. So um, it's funny you say like, we, we do sometimes kind of wander around in the industry, right? We know how to get to a closing, but most of us right. are like, how do I fill in some of those lows? How do I keep my pipeline filled? Um, things like that. Um, I was fortunate enough that when I was in grad school or in college, I was working, I, I was licensed and I was working for the city of Houston. And that kind of, you know, perfect storm helped me a lot to see the industry from a different perspective than just mm-hmm. um, just selling. And so I noticed a lot of agents come in, we really don't know what we want. Honestly, we, we want to make money, but we don't really know, you know. <laughs> Our why, right? Mm-hmm. Having some a why behind what why you want to make the money, um, and we don't really know the direction that we want to go. We we're kind of everywhere. Um, so I'll say, uh, first and foremost, uh, before I touch on urban planning, is just for for those agents that are getting in the industry, or even if you've been in the industry, is uh, find out where you're good, so you know really really where you can provide value to a team, a partner, so on and so forth, right? Not where you're good in terms of processing the contract, but like, are you, do you know an area very well? Do you know a specific niche very well? So on and so forth. Um, For me, urban planning provided like a different lens because um, what urban planning pretty does is it creates the box that all of us are really kind of practicing in, right? Urban planners are at the city level for the most part, right? You have some that are at the city level and some that are on the ground, but no matter where they are, they're influencing like the policies that shape the built environment that we sell, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're selling land, what you can and can't do with that land, you're selling a property, what you can and can't do in that neighborhood, all that kind of ties back to urban planning, the development of cities, right? So me understanding those things, um, I'm able to go in neighborhoods and right away pick up on things right away, know how to address them. Um, If there's something that I want done in my neighborhood, I know how to leverage the city and the tools and resources they have as well. Um, 
not I won't say to get my way, but you know, to to help myself, my clients and the neighborhoods they were in. And so for me, that became a way for me to be a resource. And so that helped all the way around, right? It helped me with my clients and it helped me with my growth and figure out other ways that I can present myself and make money in this industry. So yep. yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's really interesting because when most people think of urban planning, right, or they maybe think of a career in urban planning, they think, you know, they have to work for the city. And a lot of people are turned off by that. So kind of from your experience, is that the only way I think people get into it? Or, you know, obviously kind of what you guys do privately, there is a different, different route. Most, most urban planners would tell you, like, we fell into the industry. Because a lot of people don't know about urban planning as something you can learn or practice, right? But their whole organizations, the American Planning Association is probably the, the biggest. Um, the Urban Land Institute, there's urban planners there. Um, and so what you'll see is that I like to break us into two categories. There's uh, technical planners mm-hmm. and then what I consider to be tactical planners. And so like technical planners are the planners that you're speaking of. They are the rule makers. Think of them like that. Versus you take me, I'm more of a tactical planner. I want to leverage the rules or break them, right? To help inform my my technical planners that are making the rules. So I play a different role. And you see us in a lot of different aspects. Some of us are just, on the ground, just concerned citizens in our community. Some of us are consulting developers, right? When I work with someone that wants to buy land and build, helping them understand what they can build or different ways they can profit rather than just in Houston, we're used to just seeing people throw up the traditional subdivide, three townhomes, let's make this money and we're gonna get down the road, right? Um, we're, we're plugged in, I'm plugged into a lot of other things that are going on and practices across the country. So, uh, you see it happen that way, external, you know, helping someone where you're not within their organization. And then you also have planners that are working in development and building firms now, right? Builders in their firms now. Um, and so you have that and you're helping them map out their land or find out where the growth patterns are, where they should be you know, buying land or whatever the case is. Uh, so it's a lot of ways you can come at it. The, the, the discipline is what we call interdisciplinary anyway, right? It's, right. It's, it comes from a lot of different angles because it, it affects the way we live. And everybody has an opinion or um, some insight to that, rather, right? right? So, you know, just being trained as an urban planner just really trains you how to utilize that insight in different ways. Right. Absolutely. And I think there's, you know, when people think of this um, being a developer, right? I think a lot of agents, uh, when they get into the industry, they want to make that difference, right? They want to be the inter- interdisciplinary kind of uh, expert or business owner where they're able to make a, you know, make a difference in their communities, right? Reinvest back into back into their their cities, reinvest back into kind of building it the way that they think is the most efficient way. And a lot of times I just think, you know, the person that does that is the developer, but from 
kind of what I'm hearing now, there's a slight difference between somebody who's just solely developer and maybe somebody who's a little bit more interdisciplinary, who's thinking kind of Absolutely. the whole whole view down. So maybe Absolutely. like what's the dif- difference between those two? Absolutely. So I, I'm going to say the difference, honestly, to me, from my perspective, the difference is you have developer and investor. And a lot of people, and from my opinion, that call themselves developers, they really truly are at the core investors. You are purely profit driven and that's okay. But you have to recognize that that's what you are. And once you do, you probably find some easier ways to profit from your money or play a role in developing, right? But if you're a developer, you should be thinking full circle and comprehensively. It's just, I think it doesn't trickle down to the small guy or individual enough. But when you look at like your huge firms, your midways and stuff, you look at like city center, that's a comprehensive developer. That midway is a developer, right? They're not thinking about, let's just put retail there. They're thinking through all of it. How do people walk back and forth? How are people, how's the the car gonna look? What is the aesthetic? What's around it? They're thinking through all those different pieces before they actually you know, invest a dollar or before they actually go vertical with something, ultimately at the end of the day, you you end up over the long run with more profit, not just in that project because you have so many uses and things going on, but like how many times can you get away with just extracting profit and not making the community whole before the community says, we don't want you here. Right. What I'm saying? If I'm if I'm trying to get to that point of being a midway, for instance, no one's gonna, you know, sign off on that for me, you know. And in a lot of instances, you're gonna need support from yeah. different organizations. And if they think that what you're doing is not there, it's not in the context of them. Because you said earlier, it's like, I want to improve the communities. And we start thinking, I and we don't really think about the people that's there. We think we're helping them. Right. We think we're helping them. Hey, I, I created some houses. I did this. I raised your property values. But what did you harm? Or what did you true? What was measurable that you helped other than your pocket, right? And right. you have to start thinking through those things. And we're seeing it across the board at high commercial levels. We're just not seeing it down on the ground as much. So right. that's something I, that's something that we personally has been focused on trying to educate people on. Right. And, I, and that's really, I think it's a really helpful thing. I haven't seen a lot of people do that. Right. So whenever I look, you know, I did a little bit of just personal research for this on like certain real estate development companies and like what that like entails and what developer is. And whenever I think of a developer, I really think, you know, like you were saying, like, you know, bigger companies, right? It's not just somebody who's kind of like building an apartment or building like a, like a row of townhouses, right? I'm thinking, you know, right here, we're in Houston, right? You know, the Woodlands, right? Howard, Howard Hughes company, different, different companies like that, where they're actually developing like entire, entire cities, entire, entire living spaces. We all are developers though, right? Because at the end of the day, we all can be developers. It doesn't matter what scale you're on, you're still impacting lives, right? So we all can be developers, but like, and it only takes one, right? When you think of those guys you just named, they started with one project and it was yeah. successful. And then it's just in a matter of five to 10 years, you're right. They own half of, half of cities, 
in certain cases, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if you're thinking that way, you know, good. If you're not, you know, it kind of turns, it's no different than the transactional nature of your license. You're always going to be chasing the next deal, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then you mentioned, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier about um, that this is not something that an individual can going to do like on their own, right? You have to be using the assistance of partners, other organizations, you know, coordinating certain things with, you know, even the city and, uh, you know, you know, the government as well. So, you know, you're looking at some of these big development, big development projects, right? And some of these big projects that people like in their mind that want to do. So from like just an individual standpoint, what are some, you know, they always talk about building a team. So what is what are some people, some organizations that like a specific real estate agent or somebody who might not even be licensed, I guess this applies to anybody, but really if you're a real estate agent, like what are some people, organizations they should be connecting with, uh, people they should be networking with, essentially kind of putting them together, putting together an organization or a team to start with some of these projects? Um, so I won't assume every, like you say, everybody knows, but I mean, I think the basics are, are at the core, right? Definitely having you a good lender that understands um, the niche that you're getting into and that they're comfortable with it because it's going to make your life easier. Um, your architect in the same fashion, your architect or designer and builder. Sometimes they're the same person or same company, but uh, builder and making sure the same thing. Um, are they, are, how knowledgeable are they in your niche? Um, because they, they are all different, just like lenders have different products. They are all different in their focus. Um, so those are your two main ones, for sure. Um, folks like your engineers, your inspectors and things like that, a lot of times will come in with the architect, but it's good to have them, you know, have good relationships with them as well. Now, outside of like that core team, right? And of course, you have yourself. You can market your properties or you can build agents and stuff around. But Apart and aside from, let's say, your core team like that, um, you're definitely going to need some folks outside that. So you're going to need some investors that absolutely understand the same way because you're going to need some equity. And at some point, you're going to run out of your own money or you may not start with your own money. Um, So you're going to need some investors that understand and trust you. Uh, Likely, you may come from your investment clients if you have some. You tell them what you're doing. They just want to make the money. You know, so be a good steward of their money um, and put things in front of them. Uh, You are definitely going to want to have some good relationships with the city of Houston, their planning and development department. And so um, make sure that you have the you have the planning development department. But there's really a couple different layers to that. Yes, you have permitting. I think everybody understands permitting. But there's an actual planning department where they're helping curate the rules that the permit, the permitting department actually goes by, right? They're always seeking, you know, feedback and things like that to improve Houston. And then there's the planning commission who actually makes the decisions at the end of the day. And you need to know and understand that process and have relationships with those people so they can help provide the guidance for you to move things along. Um, so like that in a nutshell, that's a tight team, tight, you know, kind of have to have. And then beyond that, depending on what area you're in, check out like their, 
if you're in Houston, check out that areas like Super Neighborhood or that Civic Association in the neighborhood that, that you're in. Um, people stray away from them because they think that they're, they're going to kill things, that they're going to push back or whatever the case is. But a lot of times, if you can find some synergy and collaborating, it actually can be a help in getting like things like your variances pushed through and stuff like that so you can build what you want. Um, so it's just about how you approach it. Um, but if you can touch, you know, have that core team, understand the city dynamic, and then make sure you're making relationships within the neighborhood, then a lot of times you're okay. And so you can go to some of those organizations I mentioned earlier, and that's where they'll be. So you have uh, Urban Land Institute is interdisciplinary. There's a lot of folks there. Um, American Planning Association may not have all those folks there, but they're in that lane as well. And then we have, uh, we started the Third Ward Real Estate Council, which is a chapter of a broader organization that we uh, that we founded. And we're specifically catering to emerging developers. Hmm. So who you're talking about, that's what we consider to be emerging developers, uh, people who are just starting out or trying to get going and want to scale, um, you can reach out and kind of connect with organizations like ours where uh, we're putting those people in the room in the same way so you can start building your team. That's awesome, man. That's really helpful information that you just shared. I don't think a lot of people, they, they even understand some of these layers like you were saying, right? You have the permitting department and then there's the planning department and then there's the planning commission that actually makes the decisions. Some people they just think there's one one organization or just one piece of that, one branch of that that makes all the decisions and they, they think permitting. And, uh, and whenever they think of that, they think headaches, right? Getting around that and limits. Yeah, yeah. Permits, permits, they're just enforcing it. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, it's just like judicial, the, the judicial system and legislative. And, you know, when we think about our society, like if you're mad at the permitting, that's because you're, you're not on the front end talking to the people that's actually making the yep absolutely things can things can change that's a really good analogy uh by the way so i think for a lot of people that might that was the analogy that made it click huh, for them to kind of understand that yeah. that these things are flexible right especially like you were saying if you are actually being genuine and intentional about adding value to the community and making the living spaces better and more accessible and doing it in a way where it's actually improving upon the, the current limitations of the you know the certain zoning and, and permitting that they've already have uh, in place. Yeah. yeah. Most, most time you'll find like most cities are very supportive and mm -hmm. very rarely do they have, especially like the smaller guys reach out to them. Like the big guys understand it, right? They're reaching out early and often, right? They're getting them involved early and off because they don't want any problems in their project. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we don't. <laughs> so it's one of those things. They're very welcoming. So, you know, the city's changing our development guidelines as we speak so that we can be a more dense, walkable city, right? But um, they, they're more than happy a lot of times to sit down with you. But a lot of times, like I say, we, we don't sit down. They, they want to understand. They want to understand what doesn't work because they actually want it to be a dense, walkable city. So if you're trying to do something, you can't. It's like, don't abandon it. Don't leave the neighborhood. Don't, you know, just throw your hands up. 
like go and you know kind of work that out a lot of times there are exceptions there are things that can happen you know uh beyond just you know quitting so to speak yep absolutely you always have to go fight for it right you have to you have to actually take yeah. the proactive action to go out there and uh and, and take the chance right reach out to the city actually take a chance on that because like you were saying there's not a lot of smaller developers that even believe you know whether if it's belief in themselves or belief in what they're doing that they're actually willing to reach out right so don't limit yourself uh is i think it's, it's a really good lesson here this framework we're talking about is universal yeah. I, I literally like i i go and do consulting in different cities they all have some type of planning department, permitting department, economic development. Like it's, it's universal. You can go almost anywhere once you understand the framework and just plug in and do what you're going to do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So another thing I think I really want to kind of touch on was, you know, for the real estate agent, right? Somebody who's licensed, um, kind of being an active agent. And uh, like we mentioned, the smaller guy, right? So those are those are kind of what we consider the smaller developers, emerging developers, people who are you know even aspiring. So, what are some things that an agent can do to start participating in these projects? Right, you mentioned uh, I think earlier in the podcast that um, you know representing developers and being kind of consultants uh, with them in certain their projects. So, what are some ways that agents can kind of get into those uh, projects? Can start learning it maybe from a consulting or a representation standpoint, okay. and then move into it. Okay, I think one of the best ways for an agent one to break into this is to be a damn good agent, meaning <laughs> find the deals, right? Hit the phones, use the information and data we have to find the deals. Um, if you're an agent and you realize that in the neighborhood you're working in, there's a lot of new development and construction and things like that, um, go find that lot for a decent price, go, go in as, as not to represent that owner, right? Mm -hmm. Be the buyer at this point. Would you sell it to me for this price? Um, you almost at this point kind of are playing quasi wholesaler, right? Mm -hmm. If I can find a deal or an opportunity rather, now I can go to that builder, that developer and say, Hey, look, can we do this together? Mm -hmm. Can we do this together? I want to learn. Here's what I can give. Maybe I'll, you know, if your broker's okay with it, I'll, hey, I'll reduce the commission uh, on the back end when we sell it. Or, hey, I'll handle these responsibilities uh, during construction, uh, so on and so forth. Something to reduce costs. So I think that's probably the it sounds like a lot, but that's that's that should be easy for an agent if you you know if you're out humping doing what you do, um, right. and and beyond that, um, just if that's not in your wheelhouse, um, try to maybe find you a development or an investor client and be observant, right? Just ask them, can you ask some questions? A lot of them like to talk about themselves. I'm going to tell you that right now. They don't have a lot of time, but they like to talk about themselves. So if you're helping them, like I say, you're turning deals for them, you're getting stuff at some point in time, like, hey, Mr. John, you know, I, we, I sold 20 houses for you last year. We made a lot of money together, but like, how are you doing this? Like, just be forward and ask them. A lot of times, 
um, they look at you as you make it make them more money if they if they educate you, right? But a lot of them are going to stop and try to force their education on you because they're like, I don't want to slow, <laughs> I don't want to slow anything up. But once they know you're open to it, a lot of times it's, it's just going to come. So I think those are probably the two easiest ways, um, you know, for agents to get started to get going. Aside, apart aside from just, you know, cold turkey, go find your team and bump your head, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I think you know you probably will agree on this. It's a lot. It's it's better if the agent ends up doing what you mentioned, the first two things, which is representing developer clients and then finding deals. Uh, for those uh, investors or developers first before they go cold turkey into it, right? Because that way they have more experience. They know the industry better. They know the process is better. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's better. They have more connections uh, even that they can riff off of and, uh, you know, potentially get put as people on their team as well. Yeah, absolutely. It helps on the financing end, especially if you participate in a few deals. Now your financing is a little easier because, you can show that to a lender and that's going to make them comfortable. So, you know, it's all the way around. It's, it's, it's a probably an easier start, but it's not this, you know, I know people that start cold Turkey and uh, I won't say they don't have any problems, but like there's problems at, at each stage and each, no matter which approach you take. But um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier as well. It's just like, if you're kind of consulting with a developer, there's a lot of a lot of things, especially kind of what you do specifically with helping them with their own planning, right? With your urban planning background. So if an agent kind of wanted to do that, is that something that they can kind of pursue currently? Or is this something that maybe they want to do a little bit more training on before they start pursuing those type of clients and those kind of projects? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I think um, the answer is like twofold. Mm-hmm. Um, one is be resourceful as an agent helping those clients right their goal is profit so what any way that you can help increase their profit by being resourceful is going to help but in order to be resourceful it may require you to do some training so there are like organizations like like ours that I mentioned or even um is uh, Plan Edison is a is a site. Um, they have like certification courses that you can take. So if you are prepared to like go get a four year degree or a master's or something like that, there are some options out there where you can at least take some certifications and get an understanding. And I would I would focus in if I was an agent, I would focus in focus in on things like uh, policy. I would do some training in policy how to how to look it up, how to research it, uh, things like that. I would get some training in pro forma modeling. Understand how the money flows in a project, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, those probably are the two most important things. And then I may get some soft training around like engagement, like research and engagement, meaning like how do I get information from the community that I'm in in order to create great products, so to speak. Right. Instead of instead of just thinking in my own head what's good. <laughs> I may get some, I may get, we do it a lot. We do it a lot. Um, you know, uh, 
I may get a little bit of training or background in, in that. Yeah, and just overall kind of skill sets based on, you know, like you were mentioning policies, right? That's very important, just understanding uh, what's what's going on, how policies are made, and then also how the money flows, right? That's that's a big one. A lot of people don't understand yeah. how these developers are actually making money. And maybe that's something you can touch on, right? So what are, I know you don't have to go into like too much detail on this, but like for somebody who might not understand how these projects are, you know, are actually bringing developers profit, they don't maybe understand like, are they selling these, you know, projects? Are they just leasing them out? Is it a mixture of both? You know, what kind of, yeah. how, how are they making money? So, I mean, every deal is for sure different. Um, you know, if, and let me say like to connect that. So we're talking about policy, for instance, mm-hmm. that's not just understanding the rules, but it's also understanding like how to fix the land and the environment because, you know, you it kind of gives you an inclination of what's coming, right? Where are the capital investments coming, right? Because that's where we want to be. Right. And so how do I make money from that knowledge and things like that? So there's a couple of ways as a developer. One, if you have some ownership in the project, I got some equity stake in the project, period. So wherever it sells or if there's cash flow, I should get a check. Uh, second is oftentimes there's a developer's fee. So as a developer, most times part of the development, part of the cost of doing of building and pulling everything together, there's a fee for that. Somebody has to corral everybody and make sure things are moving accordingly. Developers sometimes are paid on a fee like that. And so like those are probably your two main ways. Um, a good developer is going to get paid probably on all three. I'm going, even in my own projects that I'm financing, and a bank will probably want to see it as well, that I'm taking some fee fee from the project as a developer, right? So I can't keep doing my job if I'm not, you know, compensated for it. Um, And then I probably get some cash flow. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, at some point in time, there's some exit. And that exit may be an all-out sale. Like, we just totally give up control of it to another party or it may be partial right i may have just sold some interest in the project you know 30 percent out sold 30 percent of it for four hundred thousand dollars or something along those lines so it's different ways to tweak it you know just all depends on on the deal you know yeah Um, um, yeah yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So basically kind of breaking it down and just recapping, right? It's developer's fee. It's the cash flow on the equity that you own. And then also the actual equity yourself and being able to sell portions of it or all of it if you choose to. Right. So it's very, it's very dynamic business model, right? You have the fee, you have your cash flow, and you have depreciation from equity versus, you know, if you're an investor, um, you know, in a just a like a single family home. Um, sometimes you might get the fee. I don't, I don't really think the fee kind of comes into play unless you're an agent kind of listing your own, your own property. Um, but you know, cash flow is really kind of a small piece of that. They're really just using that to pay off the, the rental property and then really kind of making it more of an appreciation play. So I think being, you know, developer, you can kind of see the two similarities and then also some of the differences between the two as well, if you're kind of investor minded. And depreciation, let's not forget depreciation. That's a big one. You know, you guys are making some money, having some ownership in property, as you know, taking those depreciation, 
credits and stuff on taxes is is major. It's major. So um, that's the thing. And I, I, you know, what I'm gonna say too. You asked how was some ways to things to learn, and I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I find a lot of us go to closing and we get title commitments and things like that and HOADs and like we really don't ever really truly read them thoroughly. No. <laughs> okay, a lot of times we pass it on to the client or the attorney or whatever the case is, but like start reading those title commitments. Start reading some of those HOA docs, man. You, it'll blow your mind some of the stuff you see and you start asking questions. It makes that's You start to become more resourceful. So just some pop in my head. That's that was good. That's actually very practical, right? So that's something that an agent can do, right? Any any time they have a closing, just take the extra effort, right? If that's something that you actually want to do, is get into development, um, start learning some of these things just from things that you're already doing. It's not even you're not really going out there taking a four hour course yeah. every day. So just little things like that, right? Being resourceful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I guess like another another thing I just kind of popped into my mind as well talking a little bit more about developing and, you know, get maybe getting into it. Is there any, I guess like this will be a little bit more local specific if it does apply, but is there any essentially like prerequisite kind of licensing or certifications that, you know, you would need to do, or is this just something that maybe recommended or anything like that? Like for development? Right. Yeah. Just for development. No, man. I mean, Houston is one of those places like, it is area specific. You're right. Like in other places, you do have to have licenses or they have commissions. But like in Houston, it's, you know, they're like, it's free market. They're like, if you're not a good developer, the market will let you know because you will be, you know, bankrupt. But um, no, there's nothing. There's no prerequisite or requirement literally in Houston. Like anybody it is, is your future is in your hands. Like anybody can be a developer and you can do it on whatever scale you choose to do for sure. That's awesome. So that's, I like that. I think, you know, open market, it's, it's good. If it provides the, like you were saying, the emerging developers, a good opportunity as well to start learning, start, you know, practicing, start getting the reps in and uh, being a part of these, these projects as well. So uh, if you're, you know, in, in Houston, you know, that's open market. It's not, not, not as difficult as you might've thought, right. The perceived right. difficulty. Yeah. And if you're on the residential side right now with the demand and housing, it's like it's hard to lose. Right. <laughs> you know, if the numbers work, you know, it's hard to lose. It's hard to lose. Yeah. Lots of new builds coming up uh, in Houston. Right. <laughs> That's what we're seeing. Bridgeland, uh, definitely one. And then just, you know, getting 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 some of this knowledge. Right. Just start learning from these people. And I mean, you're right. There's a lot of new bills, but when you think about it, where are they? The bulk of them, they're out, you know, past Highway 6, past Beltway. There's not too much inside the Beltway or especially inside the loop. So like Mm -hmm. if you can find a niche niche or some uh, foothold inside the loop where you can be more walkable, where you can not use your car as much and things like that, like it's gold, it's gold. Right. You know, right now you have the city of Houston, uh, Mayor Turner declared uh, 10 communities, co- complete communities. So you have the city kind of focusing in these areas. These are great areas to go in 
and be a part of the fabric of rebuilding, really truly rebuilding these communities. Yeah. Yeah, like the term gentr- gentrification, right? Out of, you know, anybody's, mm-hmm. you know, most people have probably heard of this term, but it's, you know, redeveloping is almost like it's not developing on raw virgin land. It's just going back and also improving, like you said, uh, walkability, right? If it's more kind of pedestrian focused, I think a lot of people are moving in that direction. Um, people are liking that. So I think being, you know, in the development space is really interdisciplinary. It's a big kind of like overall view on what's going to help the people. What are the people in this community going to feel more valuable to them? And kind of almost thinking of like people's thinking patterns, right? Like what what actually works works good in a physical environment, but it has to relate back to like people's psychological and thinking patterns yeah. as well. So, yeah. 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 so it's yeah, so it's both it, internal and it, external. It, it sounds like you're ready to build, uh, go and build some stuff. You got some good <laughs> questions. Sound like you, you got it all, got it there. So that's good, man. Well, I appreciate it, Jason. I uh, appreciate you being here today as well and uh, sharing your knowledge and value with us. This is, I'll be honest, this is a topic I'm really fascinated with and I'm really interested in. I did a lot of my own research beforehand as well. Uh, But I really appreciate your time and uh, you for being here and sharing your value. For anybody listening or viewing this that wants to maybe follow you and kind of see some of the things that you're doing, you're up to maybe some of the content that you put out. Uh, what are some of the best ways for people to kind of reach out? Is it YouTube, Instagram, you know, different platforms? Um, that's a good question. So um, uh, you can reach me directly. Mm-hmm. Probably best um, any social media platform at Jason T. Hyman. Um, you can check out our real estate office and the things that we're doing, how we practice, not just an agent.com. And for those that are out and really wanting to learn more and get more involved in the development space, especially as it pertains to like Interloop here and in other cities across the country, go out to at DT3M Fund uh, or DT3M.com. And um, we have a campaign there that's pushing, you know, kind of directing people and giving some folks uh, uh, guidance there. So uh, that's where the conference later this year is, is under so awesome awesome jason thanks for sharing that make sure to uh, go check this out if you're interested in uh developing or learning some of this information or di- digging deeper into it uh we're going to leave all of that information in the description in the show notes down below so make sure to go check that out but uh before i let you go jason is there any any last thoughts you kind of want to leave with us and share with us before let you sign off no, man, I just really want folks, uh, you know, I think the strongest thing I can say is definitely if this is a space you're in Houston, uh, even if you're not in Houston, you see this and you want to learn more, it is something you want to get connected with. Um, come to our Lost Spaces Conference. Uh, this year is April 28th through the 30th. Um, we're going to start things off with a networking kickoff on Friday. Saturday is a day of classes and workshops. Um, and then Sunday, we're taking a commercial corridor and we're doing some actual visualizations on that corridor, like of what it could be um, and how you can get started. Um, so quite some, this is our second year. So quite similar to last year, you literally can walk in on one day and walk out with the team ready to go. That's powerful, man. So if you're in the Houston area, make sure to check that out. And uh, I think I'm going to be checking that out personally. So uh, thanks for sharing that, Jason. And uh, 
thank you again for uh, coming on the podcast, sharing your knowledge, and for listeners tuning in. I want to thank you again for uh, for being here with us, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. <laughs>